Hey there, welcome back to Affirmative Action. I'm your host, Antoinette Grajeda. Today we're talking about one of those subjects that many people don't want to talk about, periods. Specifically, period poverty and menstrual equity. Period poverty is inadequate access to menstrual hygiene products and education. Financial barriers, the stigma surrounding periods, or a lack of education about menstrual cycles can all contribute to period poverty. And according to a report from the Pew Charitable Trusts, the problem has worsened during the COVID-19 pandemic. In January 2021, researchers published a study in the journal BMC Women's Health that analyzed period poverty and mental health implications among college-aged women in the United States. One in five first-generation students reported experiencing period poverty during the last year. Period poverty differed significantly by race. In the study, it was reported most frequently by Latinas, followed by Black women. Period poverty can cause health issues when individuals use a tampon or a pad longer than recommended because they can't afford to buy an adequate supply of products. In addition to health, period poverty can also have an impact on education. According to the Always Confidence and Puberty survey released in 2018, nearly one in five girls in the U.S. have either left school early or missed school entirely because they didn't have access to menstrual products. To address making menstrual products more affordable, groups like Period Equity are calling for tampons and pads to be tax-exempt. Nearly two dozen states exempt menstrual products from the sales tax. Arkansas is not one of them. During the 2021 legislative session, Arkansas lawmakers did file a bill to exempt feminine hygiene products from the sales and use tax. However, HB 1065 did not become law. To discuss period poverty and the importance of menstrual equity, today we're speaking with State Representative Denise Ennett from Little Rock, April Roy, founder and CEO of FEMPAC, and Janai Harris, founder and director of More Chances Period. Thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time. Denise, I actually want to start with you. During the 2021 legislative session in Arkansas, you were a lead sponsor on HB 1611, which became Act 933, allowing public schools to use funds to provide menstrual products for free. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved with this legislation. Like where does the funding come from and, and, and where did the idea, you know, come from? Did someone approach you? I met Katie Clark. She's, she went to the Clinton school and um, she kind of introduced me. She started talking to me about it and um, she helped start the Arkansas period poverty project. And I got really intrigued with it. I really didn't know that it was a, a thing. And so she kind of educated me on it and I'm still, I'm still a freshman. So I'm like, well, this would be a good bill to try to introduce because she was telling me that, you know, all the schools in Arkansas, some of them are doing it good. Most of them aren't doing it correct. I mean, good with, with uh, providing these products for the, the students. And so there is such a need, even here in Pulaski County, you know, Pulaski County School District, Little Rock School District. There are schools that just didn't have adequate supplies of these products. And so uh, I'm like, I'm going to introduce something. So I did. And um, basically the bill is telling schools, because school, schools get funding from federal money, ESSA grants, and um, they get state foundation money. So the money is there. 
it's just telling the school, hey, you can get some of the, you can use this money that you use for other things and you can provide these products for your students. So I'm supposed to be working with the Arkansas Department of Education to create a commissioner's note that goes out to all the schools in Arkansas to let them know, hey, this is there, please just use it. It's not recreating a wheel. It didn't ask for any appropriation. It's just telling people or telling the schools that you can use the funds that you already receive. People use it for different things and you can just use it to buy these products for the students. That's basically what it, it states. And I did get a little opposition. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. What was what was the opposition for? Because it's not, <sighs> not extra money, right? It's already there. Yeah. yeah. So some of my colleagues, most of them women, a couple of them, um, and I, I guess I could say this being PC, there were older women um, were like, well, we just didn't talk about this stuff. And, you know, if we don't talk, we, we just didn't talk about stuff like that. Or it's the parents' responsibility to provide these things for their for their kids the school shouldn't have to have this available and I said listen I said we've all been in that situation where we forgot it we changed our purse you gave one to your friend you just wasn't prepared so it's not even about that it's just having the product there but it is having the product there for women for girls who can't get it though and so she was just like I just don't understand it. And then I had a superintendent who's a legislator saying, well, this is not needed. We don't need to write a bill about it because the schools can already do these things. And I'm like, well, the schools aren't doing it. So if there is a law there, then maybe they will pay more attention to it. And do you know of any schools, it's still early in the school year, but any schools since this has been passed and gone into effect, you know, they've started providing so it's funny you mentioned that I had a school in Northeast Arkansas, was it Harrisburg School District? Some guy reached out to me on Twitter and said, hey, um, I know you introduced this bill or this law, but we still, I'm still buying these things. And so, like I said earlier, I need to um, get on with, I need to work with the Arkansas Department of Education and get that commissioner's note out there to put it out there so schools will know that. But um, yeah, he, he reached out to me. He said, I'm still buying these products. So it's going to take some more education, more awareness um, to get the word out. So we have the legislative side of this issue. Now I'm going to switch to the business side. April, that's where you come in. You, like Denise said, you know, we've all been there in a space where we didn't have what we needed. And it would have been nice if there was a place that could have provided it in that time. And that's where your company comes in. So tell me more about FEMPAC and, and what inspired you to create it? So at FEMPAC, we like to say we take the oops out of unexpected periods. Um, and we do this by making menstrual hygiene care accessible in every space that we as women exist. And so um, I started FEMPAC after a girl's trip to LA with my best friend. Uh, we take a girl's trip every year. And this year when we went to LA, she was really excited about these white pants she got. Now, she is a girl who wears black all the time. She lives in New York. So, I mean, her, her wardrobe is dark. And so she was excited. I was excited for her. And then, boom, she got her period. 
And so we were like, oh, let's just go to Walgreens and CVS. It was close to our Airbnb. So we knew we'll be able to find something. We get there. There was nothing that didn't involve a cardboard applicator. There weren't any underwear in her size. Like there were all these missing parts to this, you know, to this solution. And it was just like, she was all frustrated. They didn't carry her pads. And she was like, I don't have any room in my travel bag for this. And she was just all flustered. And so she went back to New York. I came back to Arkansas. And I couldn't believe there wasn't a solution to this problem, right? We've all been there, like Denise said, we all know this problem exists. So why hasn't the solution been solved? And so when I created our product, our emergency kit, you know, I really thought about exactly what we would need in that situation. So we can go about our day because usually our day gets disrupted. We go home or, you know, we were out and about and it's like, now I got to kill my plans because now I'm, I'm uncomfortable and I feel uneasy. And so I created our kits, but then it was like, well, why is this still a problem, right? Like we, has happened since the beginning of time. And so um, that's when I took a deeper dive and realized that it was more about the stigma against periods, period poverty, and like, why are we, why, why is this an issue? Oh, it's because we're not talking about it. Um, if we all have a hand in creating period equity, right, there is no period poverty. And so we lead our company with that mission. Um, yes, we got this cool product, but in the end, it's about creating period equity and creating a more inclusive environment for women and menstruating people. Because I always say, if we didn't have that problem, right, think about how more advanced as women we would be. The, the stigma, the anxiety that comes with the unexpected period, afraid that you're going to get it on someone's furniture or leaking someone's car or am I flooding? Is it on the back of my clothing? You know, like it disrupts our day, like not just if we're doing something like shopping, but like if we're presenting in a, in a presentation in, in a in a board meeting, you know, or we're on the basketball court and it's timeout. I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like all of these aspects are even while in out in the field. If you're in another country serving our country, where's the bathroom? Like what, so what do they do in that situation? Or like the homeless women and children who are using plastic bags and, and other things as a form of sanitary options. And then it's like, okay, so if that happens, then what else health hazards happens all because we don't have adequate menstrual hygiene care. And so, you know, our whole goal is to end that and to create a more inclusive environment for all of us. And so what are in your packs? So our kids, they come with uh, one black panty, one pad, one tampon with plant-based applicator, one panty liner, one feminine white, one two-tablet ibuprofen, and one dark chocolate mini for cravings. Um, our products are sustainable. So right now we're working on a more sustainable pad, uh, which will biodegrade in 190 days. Um, our plant-based applicator is 95% sugar cane. So again, we're not only thinking about like us as women and women's health, but we're also thinking about an, our environment as well. I have two 
two little girls. So I have to think about what that looks like in their future. And so, yeah, we want to, you know, make sure that FEMPAC is in the hand or available to every menstruating person around the globe. Where is it available? So right now you can visit our website. You can donate any four pack to any organization, school, um, office. Uh, we have a lot of people that donate to charitable organizations. Um, one of our partners, uh, the Four Seasons Company, we love them. Um, I know they just placed the order for more chances, period. So I actually have to send that out today. But I'm just glad that like people are recognizing what this issue is and like why it needs to be solved. And not only that, we make it available for our B2B partners. So they can go to our website, register. We send them their login and password information, and then they can purchase a case, how many cases they want from there. And we just actually had our first school district to register on our site. And so like Denise stated, we were trying to figure out ways to actually um, get schools to know that, okay, you guys have to purchase these supplies because they are, you're, you, you have the ability to now, because we didn't know if they were taking advantage of HB 1611. And so um, I just spoke at the um, Northwest Arkansas Women's Business Conference, and I was talking to them about representing in it and like HB 1611, and talking about these um, issues with women's health. And so all of those women were like, we had no idea that this was an issue. Like we didn't even know this was up for debate. And so the first thing they all kept saying to me is what do we need to do to help? And so I mentioned, um, you know, represented in it, Arkansas Period Poverty Project, More Chances Period. Like I try to uh, spread the word as much as I can because I'm also um, on a committee with Arkansas Period Poverty Project as well. Um, I met them back in, oh, early days of FinPAC. And so we kind of had, we clicked because we had the same messaging. Um, and so, yeah, whatever I can do to spread the word about, you know, menstrual hygiene equity, period equity, and just creating a more inclusive environment when it comes to women's health. You know, I brought up, I know uh, Representative it didn't bring it up, but there's a new, um, a law in Illinois that is being, that goes into effect. I've researched it January 1st, 2022. And they basically, they're making uh, menstrual hygiene care products accessible through SNAP benefits, which is awesome, right? Like what we need to do this and represented it. And it was like, okay, like that she's working on something I've like that heard, as well. I've had um, the Bureau of Legislative Research draft me up a bill similar to that so yes. I will be working on that so I didn't mention that because I don't know how it's going to go but I have talked to the sponsor I think her name is um, Representative Hernandez uh, nice. from so I have talked to her briefly on the phone and so they did pass it so hopefully I can use that to craft yes. So I've already started talking to people here in Arkansas about that. Well, something to look forward to. That's very exciting. Now, Janai, we've talked about your organization a few times. Tell us more about More Chances Period. More Chances Period was 
something that I literally got up out my sleep and wrote down on a notepad. And my husband's like, what are you doing? Cut the light off. I have to go to work in the morning. So, <laughs> so um, I've always noticed a breakdown with um, period products and not, you know, having access to period products or th- they're expensive. Let's be for real. They're expensive. Like, it's just me. But on the other hand, I have a brother who has five girls. I have five nieces. So, you know, I thought about him and the fact, yeah, he has a really great job, him and his wife. So they're able to afford those period products. But at the same time, we have other people who aren't so fortunate um, and they may be a two parent home still, but they just don't have the income. If you have four girls along with yourself who need period supplies, my gosh, that can get very expensive, like another bill in the house, a telephone, cell phone bill, you know, something to that extent. So I thought about all the families who weren't just as fortunate as my family, as myself, who were never had to experience period poverty. And also the fact, um, while in college, I knew people that, you know, had issues with being able to afford basic necessities. And so kind of my driving force, including female products. And so um, I thought about it and I thought about it. I'm like, what can I do to help solve this problem? And like Miss April stated, you know, you you can't use SNAP benefits to buy period products. And so, you know, that's another breakdown. Yeah, we're giving you the money for food, um, but, you know, you don't have money to buy the basic living necessities. And so um, with that being said, I thought I'd say, hey, we, I definitely have to do something. So I talked to my husband about it and he was like, well, you know, you know, you can do your own organization because I had been volunteering with another organization. He was like, well, if you're not be, feel like, you know, you're fulfilling the actual need, um, then, you know, why don't you do something on your own? Because a lot of times what people don't understand, just because you're not homeless or just because you have a job does not mean that you can afford everything. You can come from a two-parent home and still not have enough to pay for soap, tissue, pads, tampons. You have to think about things like that. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just not really feeling fulfilled with where I was volunteering at because of certain restrictions on what made you qualify for being able to get the period supplies and you shouldn't have to be homeless or you shouldn't have to be within a certain income bracket to qualify for period supplies. It's enough to have to go and ask someone for period supplies, but to have to have them go through your whole life, provide a social and all of that, that is totally ridiculous to me. And so I wanted to create an organization where if there was just a need for you to have period supplies that I would be able to furnish that need for you. There's no long forms. We don't require you to give a social. There's no long forms to fill out. Um, We don't require you to be on public assistance or anything like that because that's, you know, that's personal. Let's just face it. That's very personal to ask someone for all that information for a bag of pads. That's ridiculous. And so, um, That's basically how More Chances Period was born. And we actually covered the entire state of Arkansas right before school started. We traveled um, across the Delta dropping off period supplies. 
in um, different underserved communities, far as um, Pine Bluff, uh, McGee, um, just everywhere across the Delta, we traveled for a day and a half dropping off period supplies. Um, we still had big period supplies to drop off a few days into the new school year because like Representative Ennett said, and also um, April, the money is there. But if it's a choice between fixing the football field or buying pads, you know, you weigh your options and you figure out which one is going to get taken care of. Of course, the football field. And so, um, you know, that was one of the things that we I wanted to do in regards to making sure everyone was taken care of. Some of the schools that I traveled to um, had leaks in the roof, didn't have hot water. I mean, so, you know, their priorities are going to be a little bit different than the school who has the hot water or has the not the holes in the in the roof. So, you know, they may have the funds to go ahead and buy period supplies. But again, a lot of times the funding is there. They just it, it's just not done. So, you know, to be honest, and I never my, my goal was to also make sure that no one ever has to make the hard decision to buy from buying food or buying pads. Who wants to make that decision? Well, I'm, I'm I have my period, but I also have to eat. So I got to choose which one, you know, am I going to buy a bag of pads or am I going to buy food for my family? And you also have to realize the tax that's on these supplies. It's enough. One of my girlfriends went to the store and brought a donation to me and she circled the tax on the receipt. She said, Janai, she said, do you realize the tax is enough to buy a whole nother bag of pads? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, you know, we know that. So, you know, um, we definitely wanted to create an organization that catered to everyone across the state. It didn't matter where you live, what your income was, um, what your needs were. Uh, we definitely knew that. We actually just partnered with an organization down in um, New Orleans during Hurricane Ida. And we period supplies down to them. And we have an ongoing partnership with them to continue to provide period supplies to them, even after the hurricane recovery is done. Because uh, let's face it, New Orleans has parts that are underserved communities. And so we definitely want to get, you know, want to continue to partner with organizations. And um, I mean, that that's why more chances came about, basically, to eliminate people having to make the hard choice of buying or buying a bag of pads. I know with me having a period, when I get ready and I have my period, I just go in my closet and pull a pad out or pull a bag out or send my husband to the store to buy a bag. It's not that easy for a lot of people. I mean, Arkansas, if you think about the population here, women are over 50% of the population here in Arkansas. And what April's saying, what Janai is saying, what I'm saying, we need to do whatever we need to do to empower women to be their best. Um, we have single parent households out there. We have women who are doing great things. And if we could start at a young age, you know, nobody likes having their period. I don't think they do. I don't know. Maybe there's one person out there that just loves it. But most people Listen. say it's, <laughs> it's, it's awkward. And I have a 13 year old daughter and I can you know I was there I was that age you're awkward your body's changing nobody really talks about periods no more and that might be some some future legislation down the pipe you know talking about it in a meaningful way because it's part of biology and women shouldn't have to be shouldn't feel gross 
it, it is a gross process though I admit nobody likes it but it's a part of life and people you know even my colleagues the couple was like why are we talking about this you know I just got like this look like what is this about you know but this is a real thing you shouldn't and like Janai said you shouldn't have to um choose between eating that day and having pads so Mm -hmm. um there's different things that I want to work on and maybe change up some things on the bill you know because the bill that I did said sixth to 12th grade and now and I think I maybe spoke to one of one of you about it um girls are starting periods much younger Mm-hmm. in elementary school so that might be something I tweak you know work on and say hey you know k through 12 because we just don't know when um the when they start their period now they start them at nine and ten so yeah. um, that's something that I want to work on amending that but um hopefully we could get the uh get the exam and another thing you know we have a um during school we have a sales tax weekend and there are certain things that will be exempt from taxes and I did not realize that I could have <laughs> um introduced legislation for them to exempt oh, wow. period products for that weekend so this is how the legislature work and I'm still new so this whole year every odd year you do substantive bills so we did all the bills, all the anti-abortion, all those bills. We did that this session. So when we go back to the Capitol 2022 even year, it's fiscal. So we only meet for like one month and we do everything fiscal. And then if I win again for the next term, 2023, that's when we start introducing substantive legislation. So I won't be able to try to exempt it for 2022, but I would definitely work on it for 2023 for that tax-free weekend. I do feel like when the Department of Finance or whoever created that list in regards to the tax exempt items for back to school, other products were on there, Mm -hmm. such as hair ties for your hair, makeup, but it kind of hurt my feelings when I seen the fact that even though, you know, hair ties aren't necessarily a necessity. Makeup is not necessarily a necessity because I don't even use makeup. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the period supplies were left off. No one thinks about things like that. They don't think it's about it. because no one want to talk about it. You and know, no- it's just, you know, it's that one thing that is just like, oh, like that's a personal issue. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with that. I don't want to talk about that. And I think that is the issue. But like, because we have someone like represented in it, we need to make more women aware that we do have someone like her so that everyone can know like, okay, whenever she's like working on a bill, we need to get something passed. Uh, uh, Let's all link up so we can get this done, you know? And so we're, I'm actually trying to um, start a femtech organization in Northwest Arkansas. Um, I was just approached about maybe getting more um, women's health companies to the region. And I was like, man, that would be a great idea. But 
we need y'all, if y'all want us to have y'all back in this, we need y'all to have our back. So anytime, any issue that comes up with women's health, we need uh, digital flyers. We need um, TV presence, radio presence to know that this is out there because again, all the women that I talked to didn't even know this was up for debate. Like they didn't even know like this was an issue. And so, like I said, they the first thing was, well, what can we do to help? What can we do to spread the word? You know, and I think women want to help. Like we want to help our girls, right? We want to do these things. We just sometimes don't know where to get started. And so, you know, like I said, representing in it, when you need me, like I got you. Yes. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I would like to do too? So we have you, we have uh, Janai, and uh, we have another group uh, somebody made me aware of it yesterday in Fayetteville um, called uh, the Alliance Period Project. Mm -hmm. And so there's such, I mean, I hate working in silos. And what I would love to kind of get like a consortium of what we're doing, like April, you're doing good things. Janai's doing really good things. Um, the Arkansas Period Poverty Project is doing great things. And I don't know, they could be other groups out there in Arkansas trying to fight the good fight. Mm -hmm. And that's us all under some type of umbrella and kind of figure out what each mission is and how we can help one another. Yes. I think another thing is too, sometimes with the homeless population, they have things that are accessible to them um, because they are homeless. And I feel like you should not have to be homeless to receive free period products because there yeah. are organizations that provide free period products to homeless women. Mm -hmm. But, and we have to be inclusive too for people of color, you know, mm -hmm. uh, transgender. That's why yeah. I used to, your neutral term of menstruators because oh all, my God. yeah i used the yep. gender neutral term of menstruators then we also have to be mindful of people of color because mm -hmm. i will be totally honest one of my motivations behind just not being fulfilled with where i was volunteering was because they were not very receptive to people of color and people of color with ideas, this organization was not receptive to that. And that really hurt my feelings more than anything else. And so I came, that's how I even started talking to my husband about the situation. I mean, literally in tears, because every time, you know, you ask, for, ask me for ideas and I give you ideas, it's met mm -hmm. or knocked down because mm -hmm. the things that I'm giving are ideas or things that benefit people of color. I know um, Representative Ennett, she does a lot with the HBCUs philander for example and mm -hmm. so you know when i gave suggestions like okay we need to reach out to more organizations or more schools with more of a population of black and brown people um mm -hmm. that was shot down or really? let's go into this community that was mm -hmm. shot down and so i definitely feel like that's one of the things that we have to tackle here because people of color um, black and brown, we are the ones that's suffering most from having to make those tough choices of buying food or buying period supplies. We are the ones that are having to do this. And I'm not saying that it's not affecting all populations, but it's definitely affecting affecting us at a more at a higher rate. And so right. when I'm somewhere and I'm being told that, oh, you have to be homeless 
or I give ideas about the fact that, you know, we need to reach out to those college students over at Forlander or at the University of Arkansas at Pond Bluff, and you mm-hmm. shoot those ideas down, then that make, that gives me a lot of pushback. Because if you'll do that for people of color, you'll do that for the transgender community, you'll mm-hmm. do that for the LGBTQ plus community, you know, you have to be very mindful of how you go about approaching the situation mm-hmm. when it comes to things like um, inaccurate period supplies. Mm-hmm. Because like I mm-hmm. say, everybody that's a menstruator may not be a natural born woman. So you have exactly. to be mindful of that. You know, I think we all we all are trying to be inclusive. At least I am. And I, and I know mm-hmm. most people I hang out with are they try to be inclusive. And I use the word menstruator on my Twitter. I tweet mm-hmm. I tweet something and i got this one crazy guy i know who you do. i already know who you're talking about that's Go a ahead. slap in the face to women and i'm like listen yes go i'm sorry i hate when they say that because they don't even understand the term menstruating because they always say oh that's taken away from a woman and it's like mm, no it's not because no, menstruating not. is the action of getting your period so we're menstruators like that is who we are regardless if you identify as a woman or not it is what you do so i know because they did me the same way um that it would so i know exactly what you're talking about uh represented in it oh my god God, yes (laughs) so when i said menstruators because i you know i'm older i'm I'm in my forties and sometimes you just used to saying certain things a certain way. And as I get older and as I work with more people, I have to be very conscious on how I use pronouns and I'm not, and I'm not perfect by any means. And if, if I do slip up, somebody will correct me. And I appreciate that. But in terms of periods, we are all ministrators, or at least I used to be one time my hysterectomy. But <laughs> but <laughs> just using those terms means a whole lot because you might have a trans man who still have those parts down there who still every month still have to go to the that section of the store and buy these things. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very mindful of how we use the words. So that's all I wanted to say. But yeah, that tweet, he got, he, yeah, he, <laughs> he put, you know, I'm God-fearing, da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, well, obviously you're not too God-fearing if you're just people like that. <laughs> I think a lot of times, too, people look at the fact that, oh, when we talk about um, these, about providing um, period supplies and how, you know, it needs to be cost-efficient, I think a lot of times people look at the fact, oh, we just want to give something for free. No. It's not that we just want to give something for free. A lot of young ladies, because sometimes I do surveys, I do my research, I'm going to do my research, and I post the facts on my page. And only 4% of the people researched that I spoke with knew of an organization here in Arkansas where they could get free period supplies. Um, Also, another thing that we have to look at, too, period supplies affect your overall health as a woman or administrator. That part. If you're not changing your um, protection in a timely manner, you can develop all types of different infections. 
it can impact your health. And then yeah. also you have a lot of young ladies out here, they're stuffing tissue, they're using yeah. old rags, they're using mm-hmm. paper towels, which is mm-hmm. all unsanitary for that area down there because it's a very sensitive area. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, a lot of these menstruators, um, even with having access to the period supplies at the school, a lot of them don't have that when they go home for the summer. Yep. Exactly. So what we did um, this past summer in conjunction with another group was we provided, well, another young lady, um, we provided enough period supplies to last um, this group for three months. So, okay, yeah, you're going home for the summer. So you may not, your mom may not have the money over the summer to buy the pads or whatever, but what we're going to do is provide you with three months work. So that should take you till you come back to school. You know, that that's what people have to realize. It's, it's mm-hmm. bigger than we don't want to pay taxes. It's bigger than right. they want free things. It's the fact mm-hmm. that this has an overall effect on their health. If it's yes. not properly, there's a certain time frame that you're supposed to change your protection. Mm-hmm. How many times a day? Every couple of hours. If you don't have those pads, you're going to wear that whole pad for 8, 16, uh, yeah. 48 hours. That's totally unhealthy and unsanitary. Mm-hmm. And that was my issue with HB 1065 is, yes, uh, it was two, I think it was like $2.3 million that they would lose in regards to revenue. But being in the business world and being in the startup community, you see the state brag about how much revenue they made yeah. and like how much more revenue they made. And all I'm thinking is, so $2.3 million is nothing. Because obviously, if over half the state are women, there definitely should be more money in regards mm. to period products. That means that we can't afford them. And then if we can't afford them, now there are other health issues coming up because now we're trying to figure out how we're going to make this pad that's supposed to last for four hours work for 16 to 24. And now, like Janelle said, that's detrimental to our health. Now the state is about to be out more money because of why? They got to go to the hospital. They can't afford that hospital bill. So now you're losing more money off of something so simple by eliminating the tax. And so again, it's all about making them understand the bottom line. When you're in the startup world, that's what you learn. They don't care anything about what I'm doing when it comes to periods. They don't care about me creating period equity. All they care about is how much money I'm going to make off this? Why is this beneficial to me creating period equity in my space? What am I going to get out of this? Because I even had an employer who's the CEO of a company tell me, um, that sounds like a personal problem to me. Like, mm-hmm. why should I help my female employees? Like, I don't, they should come prepared to work themselves. And you know what I told him? Um, do you carry toilet paper with you everywhere you go? Because obviously you don't, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, he's like, oh, I think I have some in my truck. Not in your truck, on you, like in case it happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that whole personal issue, like you sitting down on the toilet, you done did your business and then look at the roll of toilet paper that says, "Mm, sorry, it sounds like a personal issue. You can't go to your car. Like you can't go to your truck. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, either you can stand there and be there for the people that you probably mostly employ, or they can go home and now you lost production for the day. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's like, Mm -hmm. we have to make them understand the bottom line because they don't care about our feelings, even though they should because they're representing us as a people, but they don't care. So it's like, again, making them understand what they're going to get out of it. And I think that is going to be the goal of like making peer, creating period equity in the state. They always talk about money, 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 money grab, money grab. They don't realize menstruators misclass due to lack of access to period supplies. That not only has an effect on their self-esteem, because if you got to walk down the hallway of shame with a big red period spot on you, that's a totally different situation. Mm -hmm. Then not only that, you're getting into education. You're getting into missed education opportunities. And we all know with missed education opportunities comes lack of education. So you want people to be educated, but you have to realize all the factors that go into educating menstruators. I know me personally, if I ever had a situation growing up, if I was in middle school or high school and that happened to me, I would call my mom to come get me and I probably wouldn't come back for the rest of the week or not even that. If... I knew I didn't have the period supplies, then I'm not even coming, I'm not even coming to school. Facts. I'm not even coming to school. So I'm missing out on a learning opportunity, which in the end, after so many missed days of school can lead to truancy. And then not only to truancy can lead to you having to maybe even repeat that grade or going to summer school, which then incurs extra costs. You got books, you got travel back and forward to summer school. So you have to realize all this is built into the fact that we need to make periods free. I mean, I mean, it's just not fair. I mean, it's just not fair. You can't fault someone for their social economic status. And this has to be something that's addressed. But a lot of times, People don't want to address things till it comes knock, knock, knock at your door. You know, Mm -hmm. you lose that $150,000 a year job, a $250,000 a year job. You go from having a nanny and a driver to don't know if your lights are going to stay off. You're not, at this point, you're not even looking at period supplies. You're not even Mm -hmm. looking at menstruation. You're looking at just trying to keep a roof over your head so we have to look at the bigger picture it impacts of course we all know financially but it also impacts these administrators educationally lack of education leads to what poverty okay yeah and then everybody's talking about dei dei listen if i hear one more dei like whatever because i swear when i see it i'm like well are you really doing something like because when we you know, talk about dei right this april exactly like jesus like oh my god like if i hear another dei whatever and then it's like okay well you do realize what that means like that's just not about race right That's about gender as well. So like I've been calling out some of these companies like, oh, well, we'll try to see if our facilities uh, manager would like this. No, what's what's up with that DEI program y'all keep talking about? Like, oh, we got all this money for this DEI program. But like, are people into implementing this or are they just talking about it's it? It's on paper to say that they have it. It's the checklist. I watch and I watch about DEI. You have all these task force and all this stuff. And actually, um, when it comes time, it's just basically a checklist. You don't listen to your DNI task force. You don't listen to your 
committee members on, uh, you know, you got all these programs, you don't listen to them, you have it on paper so that if someone ever comes in and say, well, I was treated unfairly because of my race or my gender, you can say no, 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 because see, we have this in black and white. We have this in black and white, but you're not actually implementing what you are saying you are willing to do in that black and white. You're using it as a check mark. So not only you can have it. So if someone comes for you saying that they were discriminated against, you can protect yourself financially and reputation wise. But honestly, you you're not using it. It's just a check mark. You're talking about gender. Um, I just um, did a tour of Harmony Health clinic which is in my district on Roosevelt here in Little Rock and we were talking about period equity and one of the ladies that was with me she was telling me she said I'm even talking to my little son about and I think it it shouldn't always just be on women Mm -hmm. good to involve um, boys and let them know that this is a thing and it's not nasty it's not gross this is this is basically why you here because women have periods you better say that why you're here so i think too moving forward it shouldn't just always be a burden for us to carry i think um men or boys i should say or males they should also take ownership in it as well because they have sisters they have cousins they have mothers so i think we need to try to demystify it and and not just put it in one category oh that's just a female problem and y'all deal with that being in the startup world you pitch to all males Mm -hmm. right and that that's the first thing they say it's like oh well why is this my problem you know and that was one thing i will always leave with was did they have a mother a wife a partner a daughter you know and then um, I had a guy, uh, an investor, he's well known uh, in tech stars. And he was like, oh, I love this idea, but uh, I, I'm going to let the women answer this because, you know, this is not my issue. Um, I've talked to guys about like, oh, they would tell me, oh, I remember her name. I can tell you exactly what she had on all this and all that about the girl that they knew in high school or junior high who got her period and everyone made fun of her. And I would be like, well, you know, well, you know not to do that for your daughter, right? And it's like, oh, well, I have sons. Well, teach your sons, you know, to stand for women if they need a shirt or a sweater or whatever to help them to through that day without making fun of them. Because like uh, Representative Ennis said, that is one thing we want to focus on when we focus on our educational piece, that it's not just about girls, it's about guys too, and how we need to make this more normalize this conversation around uh, periods and stigma, because this wouldn't be an issue, right, if we would teach it from the beginning. Like, think about most of the things that we don't talk about. And like now what's happening, all of this thing, because the rug is like overflowing because we've swept it under so many like years and generations and generations. And it's like, now it's funny. We're talking about periods now. It's all in the forefront now. And it's like 10 years ago, oh my God, we you're talking about what? You know, so I think we've swept it under the rug too long and now it's starting to pour out. And so now we need to like, okay, everybody get on the board with this and why this is important. And I can honestly say, um, I told you guys, my brother has five daughters. My brother is one of my biggest supporters because he knows 
you know, with having a wife and five daughters. So he definitely knows. Then he has two sisters, me and my sister. So my brother is one of my biggest supporters that I have. Um, he's always very encouraging to me and telling me, you know, this is an awesome idea. My husband, because he has sisters and a mom. <laughs> he's not ashamed to go to the store and buy the period supplies for me. Um, sometimes if I'm going in one direction to deliver, he'll go in the next direction to deliver period supplies. So kind of like what April and Representative Ennis says, it's all about not putting it all on the female or the menstruator. You know, men have to get involved too. And he has no problem with telling people about my organization or giving out cards or saying, hey, this is my wife. She's doing this. She's doing that. And I attribute it to the fact that his mother made him very conscious of the fact that, hey, even though you are a male, you're going to grow up to have a wife. You know, you have sisters, so you need to ve be very conscious. And like I say, my brother's the ultimate girl dad, so <laughs> nice. he's definitely very conscious. This is such a compelling conversation. And as we wind it down, I want to discuss a little bit actionable steps. We've talked about, you know, the biggest issue is is the affordability. And one of the biggest ways to tackle that is to address um, the cost through legislative um, mm. legislation. And that's going to take a little bit of time. So folks listening to this right now who are like, well, I'm fired up. I want to help. What can I do? You know, what can they do? What's a good actionable step for them right now to help address menstrual equity in their community? I would say we all need to get behind our representative in it. Bottom mm -hmm. line. There's no other way um, when I when I get donations or not even get donations when I talk about it. I always mention representative in it. I always mention FEMPAC, you know, because we're not going to do this alone. I, I can't take this problem on alone. April can't do this all alone. Representative in it cannot do this all alone. It has to be a combined joint effort, you know, and I'm willing to do whatever I can and across the state state but we have to get behind representative in it because unless there are laws put in place and bills enacted it means nothing it means nothing what Janai said <laughs> <laughs> and then what i said earlier about creating some type of consortium and i would love to get you all's help on that you know we probably need to do that sooner than later um, just have like a, a network of people who, you know, maybe in different parts of the state, you know, can do these things, can make donations, do drop-offs and just, you know, get more uh, publicity behind it and, and just make, make, make it more accessible and just educate people. Cause I think once you're educated, you, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, I can get behind something like that. So I think actionable steps, I think us all, you know, come together, you know, meet up. I'm in Little Rock, but I can, I could go. I'm, I'm a little nimble. I can meet you wherever. And we just need to come together and just have an action plan out saying, hey, this is how we're going to tackle this and look at different states and kind of watch and what they're doing and what the feds are doing, trying to do, and just trying to rally support for future legislation. And Janai, as a nonprofit, are you set up to accept donations either financially or through just donations of products? Right now, um, we are, we accept donations of products. We accept donations of 
Of course, if you want to financially give, we do that. I'm going to be totally honest with you. We're more so of a grassroots because we started literally from the ground up and we're still coming from the ground because we're a pretty new um, organization. But we did get a chance last, well, not last year, but in January, we got to work with the Biden-Harris administration on their day of giving. We were one of four organizations out of Arkansas. So we're building and building and building. Um, we are working on actually getting a website. Like I said, we we started grassroots and it kind of just took off from there. But um, we do have, of course, Facebook. We have our PayPal link on there, but we also have um, the option where we do store pickups. If you want to order from Chicago, Illinois, I just had one of my really good girlfriends do that. She sent $50, about $50 worth of product, picked it up at the Target here. So we're open to, um, of course, we'll come pick it up if we need be, just shoot us a message. We do um, drop off of donations or like I say, store pickups. We're open to anything. Like we are not picky at all. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, any final thoughts from anyone before we end our conversation today? It's been a good one. I would say like more people should, you know, donate to organizations like More Chances Period, um, mm -hmm. Arkansas Period Poverty Project, uh, the Teen Action Support Center, um, because these are places that, you know, they get the product out to the places that need mm -hmm. them. So a lot of people, I think a lot of people when they want to donate, they think that they're going to have to do another step. And it's just like, no, they actually do everything for you. All you have to do is make the donation. Um, I just had a teacher to purchase a four pack, another four pack for her classroom. This is probably like her fourth uh, four pack that she's bought. And she was like, my students, she teaches middle school. And she was like, my students love these. And I was like, you know what? I want to get your testimonial on why you chose to create period equity in your space as a teacher. You know, her perspective, because, you know, teachers are on the front lines when it comes to their students getting yeah. their periods unexpectedly. And again, if you know that schools now have the ability to purchase menstrual hygiene products, I would say, Ask the school your child goes to. Hey, yeah. have y'all purchased menstrual hygiene products? We know that you guys can now. And I would say that's an actionable step that, you know, we all can do if you have kids. It's just to ask your school, have they done this yet? And again, thank you, Antoinette, for calling this podcast and calling us and asking us to participate. Hopefully the people that listen to it will, you know, have some great ideas or some good feedback. My number is 501-690-4211. That's the numbers that my constituents call me. They call me about every and anything. So, you know, if you have any questions about period equity, please call me. Um, I would love to hear your, you know, your opinions or if you have some criticisms, I want to hear it too. And I can't wait to work with um, this group more. Thank you all so very much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I've enjoyed listening to you share conversation and ideas. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this hour of power. <laughs> you want to call yeah. it? Thank you. Today's guests were State Representative Denise Ennett, April Roy, founder and CEO of FEMPAC, and Janai Harris, founder and director of More Chances Period. Thank you all again for speaking with us. 
If you've got a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, or if you want your business or organization to be included as a sponsor of this show, please send an email to explore at argotsoul.com. If you're new to our podcast, you can listen to previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on our website, argotsoul.com slash affirmative action. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, we are a nonprofit, so please consider chipping in $5, $10, or $20 at argotsoul.com slash donate. I'm Antoinette Grajeda. Thanks again for listening. We're working on more episodes and we'll have those ready for you in a few weeks, but until then, take care.